welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. Carla and I have been doing this, coming to Wednesday night services every Wednesday, unless we were out of town or something or recovering or something, for about 35 years next month. And it's still fresh every single time we come to a Wednesday night service. There's something holy and fresh and eternal about it. And we decided a long time ago, Wednesdays, that's, that's the Lord's. Just like Sunday, well, just like every day. Every day is the Lord's. But Wednesday, we love coming to church, and we're so glad you're here to join us with us in this legacy. So if you would, please turn to Psalm 8, and we will start here. Psalm chapter 8. Last week, we talked about praying for revival by praying for the hearts of God's people to be revived. Great things happening out here starts with great things happening in the Christian's heart. And so we can't just expect power to fall from heaven while we're continuing to do our own thing. No, when when great things happen in the hearts of God's people, great things are going to happen in the communities where God's people are. Miracles, signs, wonders, people getting saved by the thousands. Thousands. And so I'm trusting you're all open to workings on the inside because we're praying that for you a lot. The Bible talks about praying for believers' insides, their heart, their spirit. The Bible says in Ephesians 3, Paul prayed that God would strengthen them with might by his spirit in their inner man. Our inner man, just it it could use a lot more. And so we're praying and believing for more maturity and more strength and more power, more revelation. But tonight I wanted to talk about something that I I believe will actually get us one step closer to manifestations of what we've been praying for. You know, faith is supposed to turn to sight eventually. Mm -hmm. Things we're believing for are supposed to manifest eventually. Or why be in faith? Now sometimes it takes a while and and we just keep believing. Though We keep believing. We're not going to stop. If God said it, it's true. We're going to believe for it and it's going to show up eventually. The invisible will become visible. The healing will show up. Money will be there. The dream will come to pass. And so we have to make sure that we're staying in faith. And here's something that I wanted to talk about. Look at Psalm 8 in verse 2. Uh, actually, we'll just read verse 1 and 2. Psalm 8, verse 1 and 2. And they'll have it on the screen. I'm reading out of the King James tonight. Wednesday's King James. Sunday's New King James. So King James night. All right, you ready? Verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who has set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you might still the enemy and the Avenger. If we have this out of the New International Version, I'd like you to put that up there. Just go ahead and take your time. But let's find verse 2 out of the NIV. Because Jesus actually quoted this in the book of Matthew, chapter 21. Do you guys have the NIV up there? NAS, huh? Uh, Do you have the NIV, New International? There we go. 
Okay, through the praise of children and infants, God, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. And this is actually more how Jesus quoted it. He said, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, God has perfected praise. And this scripture here says something else is going on when we're praising the Lord in sincerity and it's affecting our enemy in a, in a victorious way on our behalf. How many think sometimes we just need to just do some things that stop and silence the devil? Right. Yes. Did you know there's something you and I can do that can still and silence an attack of sickness, yeah. an attack of depression, an attack of fear? There's things we can do to slow down the, the enemy's uh, maneuvers against us and actually stop those maneuvers. It's something about praise and worship that gives God a right to dispatch angels against our foes. I said, there's something about praise and worship that gives God a right to send angels to stop attacks of the enemies and the foes arrayed against us. There's something about true heartfelt praise and worship that gives God a right to dispatch power against our foes. This is why sometimes there's heaviness when it comes to time to praise the Lord. There's a suppression-like feeling in the atmosphere. It's like, I, I kind of want to raise my hand, but I'm really tired for some reason. Why weren't we tired 10 minutes ago? <laughs> it's like there's powers of darkness that have seen this in operation throughout history. They have seen when God's people are under attack and the enemy has found an open door, something's trying to happen. They have seen, the devil and demons have seen what happens when God's people begin to put their eyes on God, get their eyes off the problem, start saying, Jesus, that may be real, but so are you. And you're so much greater and get caught up in worship and praise of the Lord to where he's able to do some things powerfully that he can't do if we're mur murmuring and complaining or worrying. He wants to, but the friend, we have to realize there's some things we open the door to and God is not going to push the door open. We're going to have to open it for him. Right. Why would Jesus say, I stand at the door and knock if he's just going to barge in and do whatever he wants? Right. We have to open the door. One of the greatest ways to open the door is to worship. Now notice again, uh, let's read the NIV again. It says, through the praise of children and infants, God, you have established a stronghold against your enemies. Isn't that amazing? God works with our praise. And then it says to silence the foe and the avenger. That's good. There's something about when we start thanking God for his word, his love, his presence, deliverance and victory that gives him a right to release power against our enemies, our adversaries, which could be disease, fear, oppression, lack, poverty. That's just amazing. Um, we, need, we, we need to up our faith in our praise services. We need to get as many people in faith. Here's one of the things I thought we should title it for tonight, and I just I want to say it because I, I'm not sure we'll stay on this, but we need to praise God like He's answering our prayers. We need to praise Him like we got it. Why? Because if we're excited about Amazon sending it, how much more should we be excited about God sending it? He's never lied, right? He's never messed up with your address. He knows where you are. He knows where you live. Even if it's a brand new house and you're not on Google Maps yet, God knows where you're at. And he knows how to get you what you prayed for. I would think it'd be a good idea to be as joyful and as excited and as thankful about God giving us what we prayed for 
as Wayfair. Right? Or wherever you shop. Um, this really goes right along, right along the same lines of what we've talked about a lot on our Wednesday night prayer meetings, and that is this. Effective praying has a lot to do with how you live after you're done praying than just how you were when you were praying. Effective praying has a lot to do with preparation for a prayer and how you talk after you say amen. Because if death and life is in the power of the tongue, and it is, you can pray a great prayer and kill it with wrong words. And it won't be God saying no to your prayer. It'll be us aborting our own prayer with words of death. It does no good to pray for your president and then tomorrow talk about him like he's, he's just a no good, nobody, blah, 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 agree with everybody's, you know, views upon what they think. It doesn't do any good to pray. Here's, one of the, here's, here's a great way to help you to overcome complaining about people. Pray for them. Because you're, if you're praying for somebody and then tomorrow you start complaining about them or talking like they're no good or talking like they're just messed up people, then you just basically wasted your time in prayer. And you don't want to keep wasting your time, so either you're going to stop praying for them, which I hope you don't do, or you're going to start talking, you're going to start, stop talking bad about them after you pray so you don't mess up your good prayers. It, effective praying has a lot to do with how you talk after you say amen. You know, three days later. Big, big deal. The Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. So we don't want to kill our good prayers by talking like they're not working because we hear a bad report. Is this a good word? You got to watch out about aborting your prayer and then thinking God said no when really you're the one that killed your own prayer. We talked about uh, more than once, but a while back we did a series on um, what do we call it? Uh, but about a prayer failure. It was um, reasons for a prayer failure. We found like a half a dozen plus reasons for a prayer failure in the scriptures. Things that talk about after you pray a prayer, what you can do to not receive an answer to that prayer, even though the Lord wanted you to. You can have a prayer failure if you don't watch out about certain attitudes and words and things after you're done praying. So if you would, please, um, why don't you um, turn to John 16. Sometimes we, we, we say, you know, don't murmur, don't complain, but maybe we got to talk about how and why, you know. How do you do that? How, how do you not complain when you're so tempted to complain you can't stand it? <laughs> well, you know what King David said? He prayed. He said, King David had a revelation of the power of words. He said, Lord, let's know what King David said. He said, Lord, put a guard on my mouth that I might not sin against you. Put a guard on my mouth that I don't blow it with what I say. King David knew that God spoke and the universe came into existence. And he knew that some of that was in his kids. And if we speak certain things over and over again, we'll actually open the door to good or bad. And so I wanted to answer this. Why murmur? Why, why, why should we ever murmur again when we could ask God for anything we want and he said he'd give it to us? Now think about this. Why murmur 
about how difficult that person's making life for you or how they have this and you don't have that and they got the promotion you didn't and you deserved it, whatever. Why murmur if we can ask anything of God and he would give it to us? Why murmur? Why complain about anything if we, anytime we want, can ask our Father God for anything we want and he would give it to us? Don't you think that should eliminate worry? Or, or, or murmuring and worry? Just knowing we can ask the Father for anything we want. He said he'd give it to us. Why would I murmur about this little thing over here when I can get anything I want from God over here? You see, you know why people murmur? Because they don't believe what I'm about to read you. John 16, 23. Jesus is teaching about prayer and about prayer in the day we live in. So in John 16, 23, Jesus said, in that day, which is the day we're in now, Jesus said, you shall ask me nothing. You don't have to pray to me. And verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Now, if we believe that, that should eliminate jealousy, envy, worrying, murmuring. I mean, if, if we believe this verse right here, why would, why would anything bother us? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All things being equal. Why, why would anything bother us that somebody else has or somebody else is trying to do or a lie or that somebody's trying to lie on you? It's like, if we can ask the Father anything in His name, <clears throat> why would we be upset about anything right. that other people around us are doing or not doing? Yeah. How many think it would be good to believe this scripture a little stronger? Yeah. Yeah. Let's say this together. Say this, whatsoever I ask, the Father God, in the name of Jesus, He promised He'd give it to me. That's powerful, church. So that will take care of murmuring right there. Because most people are murmuring about things people are doing or not doing to them or for them. But people aren't our source. God's got everything. Amen. You know, there's times, it's really interesting, but sometimes when we teach on marriage, and we're going to have another marriage, marriage, some marriage meetings coming up here again soon. Um, it's interesting, but when we, when we teach on um, marriage and and you know, couples and how they get together and how, how they can stay together. Getting together is one thing, right? Staying, staying together is a whole other deal. But we, we found out that, um, well, Paul even said, he said in Corinthians, he said, oh, come back to me. He talked about not going to court with another believer. He talked about believers in the church going to an outside ungodly judge or whoever to settle a case in believers' lives. Paul said, there's utterly a fault among you. One takes another to court and that before unbelievers. He's almost like saying, guys, you have the Holy Ghost. Why do you need to go to an unbeliever? You've got the Holy Ghost. You can tap into the all wisdom of the universe, the, the greatest, most merciful judge in the universe. You can fix this thing in the church. And then Paul starts talking about a married relationship where the husband and wife are in strife and they're, you know, wondering if they should go to court. He said, and any, any believer actually, Paul said this, he said, why don't you just take the wrong? He's asking a question in 1 Corinthians 7. He said, believer, 
why are you fighting over this thing? Why don't you just take, take the wrong? Just, just suck it up. Take the wrong. Now, how could Paul say that? Because Paul believed he could ask the Father for anything anyway, and God would give it to me even if I did get ripped off. He's not talking about being run over. He's not just talking about being weak and not standing up for your rights. But going before an unbeliever, that's getting a little out of hand. Why don't you just take the wrong? Like, let's take a married couple. You know, well, they're not making me happy. They're not making me happy. Well, uh, they, they ripped me off in this. or They did that. Well, why don't you just take the wrong? You're a believer. You have access to the universe anyway. You have access to everything God has because if you're a saved Christian, you're an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. Why would you be all upset about this temporary thing here? It's just lack of faith. That if you will take the wrong, walk in love, avoid strife, God will greatly take care of me. Right. One of the greatest examples of that is Abraham. When, there was, when Abraham and Lot were together and the, the prosperity was so great and the herds were multiplying and the, the people were so great, it said the land couldn't hold them all. And Abraham saw the herdsmen starting to get into strife. And so Abraham said, you know, we got to do something here. We, we, we got we to have a little different, a little bit of space in between us here. So, so Lot, you just decide where you want to go, okay? And I'll go the opposite direction. And, and Lot, of course, chose the green rolling hills of Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> and Abraham got the desert. Now, the interesting thing about that is... Lot was the nephew. He was the younger, and he should have said, Uncle, you choose. You, if it wasn't for you, I'd have nothing. If it wasn't for you, I'd, I'd probably still be back in the land of the Chaldees or wherever. He should have yielded and said, Sir, just, you know, just because a leader tells you you can do something does not mean you're supposed to do it. It might be a test. Are you following me? It might be a test. Well, kind of like Elijah and Elisha. Well, Elisha, just wait here while I go yonder. And, 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 and you, know, you don't have to go with me. So that's the man of God saying, stay here. But Elisha said, no. As your soul lives, I'm following you. I'm sticking to you like super glue. And I'm going to see you when you're taken up. Just because the man of God says, you don't have to do that, doesn't mean you're not supposed to do it. You listen to the Holy Ghost if you're supposed to do it. Because sometimes good leaders will say, take a break. You know, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. But in your heart, you know you're supposed to still do it. The leader's just trying to be nice, but you still have to obey the Lord. And so when Abraham said, Lot, you decide which way to go. And Lot chose the green rolling hills, which was a big mistake. And Abraham went to the desert. But here's the thing. It looked like in the natural Lot took the wonderful, well-watered, beautiful parklands and it looked like Abraham lost. He got the dry, hot desert. But Abraham did it in the name of stopping strife. He did it in the name of love. And who got blessed? Abraham got blessed. Beyond anything he could have got if he would have just made a decision as a rough leader and said, you're going to do this and I'm going to do that. It will look like you have lost some wonderful things at times while you're walking in love. But if you'll just stick with the love route, God will show you that he can do way better than you just holding on so tightly to what you thought you couldn't get any other way. Amen. So again, John, that this would take care of the murmuring. Just realize you can ask your father for anything and he'll give it to you in Jesus name. After every prayer, 
we must praise and thank God like we have what we just asked for. And the key is increase until it shows up, not decrease. One of the seven steps to answered prayer is praise God with increasing praise until what you prayed for becomes visible in your body, in your bank account, in your marriage, in your mind. Praise God with what? Increasing praise. I look at it like, kind of like, you know, expectation is a faith word. When you pray for something that the Bible promises you, when you pray for something you know God wants you to have, like healing, deliverance, wisdom, strength, freedom of fear, joy, prosperity, health, payoff of bills. When you pray for something like that that God, you know God wants you to have, you have... It's like once you're done praying, if you really believe God heard you and you really believe that you have what the Bible says belongs to you, you're going to start expecting to see something that's already yours show up. Expectancy really can't come on the scene until you have something. Expectancy comes on the scene after you believe you got it. It's paid for. Order's final. It's all legal. They said it's coming. It's on the way. Praise the Lord. I say we have at least as much faith in God answering prayer as any online business sending us something we ordered online. So what happens? You pay for it. Right? You get your little email receipt. You believe you got it. But you haven't seen it yet. But you believe you got it. But you haven't felt it yet. But you believe you got it. But you haven't touched it yet. But you believe you got it. Why do you believe you got it? Well, because you trust somebody's word. You, you believe the catalog was right. The, you, you believe it's being sent just like they said. You believe in somebody's word. All right. Well, now that you believe you got it, you're expecting. If you're not expecting... You don't believe he got it. Let's take a woman when she has a baby. When is she expecting? Before or after she's pregnant? Not a trick question, is it? <laughs> Carly, you know, you've had two kids. When, do you, when, when does expecting come on the scene? After you're pregnant. After she's already pregnant. And here's the thing I like, to, I, like to, I like to relate expectation to praise and what leads up to the baby. All right? What happens when you're expecting? Ladies, you get bigger and bigger and bigger, right? Bigger and bigger. Some of them bigger, bigger. <laughs> right? And if you're expecting you eventually will be showing. In other words, it won't be just private little praise and worship at home. Others are going to see you're expecting something, aren't you? I mean, you're praising God all the time. It's gotten out beyond your prayer time. You know what I mean? And what I like to say about praise is, is you can increase your praise and your expectation to receive what God promised so much. Listen closely. You have to give birth. You just can't get any bigger. 
the manifestation has to occur. The baby has to come forth. This is where I believe praise and worship comes in. Expectation. Praising God with increasing praise until you're ready to pop. And God just has to manifest what you're praising for because you're at the limit of praise. You're at the height of heights. You're praising God with high praises. You're praising God day and night. You are so caught up in praise. All of a sudden, boom, body changes. Money shows up. Kids come back. Want to serve God. Fear's gone. I know, and I, I like to have scriptures for everything that I believe. And if you don't have scriptures, you might want to Put it on the back burner until you do have scripture. But the Lord gave me a phrase years ago, and I've shared it with the church. And he, he said this to me a long time ago. And I understand what he meant when he said this, so I don't know if everybody understands it when I say it. But he told me, he said, son, and I've experienced it firsthand. He said, son, whatever you praise me for the most like healing, mercy, grace, prosperity. Whatever you praise me, God said, for the most is what you're going to see mostly in your life. Whatever you praise me for the most is what you're going to see the most of in your life. God said, whatever you praise me for the most. He didn't say you're not going to see other things. He just said, whatever you praise me for the most is what you're going to see the most of in your life. <laughs> so what if you want to see healing a lot? You need to praise a lot for healing. Thank you, Lord, by your stripes I was healed. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. And praise Him and worship Him. And you know, when it becomes lifestyle, then it's no longer a push or a have to. You just kind of flow in there with a good habit. It's wonderful. One of the greatest habits we should have in our life is praising the Lord. There are some good habits, and one of them is praising the Lord. We are habitually involved with, thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. At home, in the car, at work when you can. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. This is one of the greatest things, because whatever you praise him for. And so I said, Lord, where's scripture for that? He said, well, what is praise? I said, well, praise, I've heard, is the highest act of faith there is. Abraham was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And he said, what is praise? He said, I said, well, it's faith. He says, well, say it like this. Whatever you believe me for the most is what you're going to see the most of in your life. What is Praise. It's believing that God's going to do what he said. It's believing that he, what he said is real and true. Thank you, Lord. Your word is true. So really, praise and faith are almost synonymous words. Because you wouldn't be praising if you weren't believing. Right? Unless you're just a parrot mimicking somebody else. But I don't believe that's us. So um, after every prayer... We must praise and thank God like we have what we prayed for. We need to be as excited about an answer coming from God as we are a package coming from Amazon after we purchase something. Did you know that praise and worship services, at least here, are not a preliminary for the greater things in that service? You know, not like a little bit of entertainment before the good stuff? You can get delivered. You can receive miracles. You can stop the devil. You can stop cancer. You can stop things from overriding your life during the praise and worship. 
I wish the praise and worship would get over so pastor pray for me. You might find out if you really enter into praise and worship, you don't need pastor to pray for you at the end of the service because you got what you needed in the worship service. That's right. Man, well, if we have time, and I know we don't tonight, but in, in um, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, when Jehoshaphat and Israel, when they were all under attack of the enemy, way outnumbered. They did not know what to do. They thought them, their families, their little ones, their businesses were all going to die and be uh, captive to the enemies. They didn't know what to do. They sought the Lord. They did some fasting. They, they cut some things out so they could focus on God. Sometimes you have to do that. And they sought the Lord with all their hearts and they stood before the Lord and all of a sudden the Spirit of God came upon Jezre Jezreel, the son of Benaniah, and he prophesied and he said, thus saith the Lord, the battle is not yours, but it's the Lord's. Don't worry about a thing. God's got this. Everything's going to be all right. Jehoshaphat got all stirred up. The people of Israel got all stirred up. And it said they went out to meet the enemy and they, con they conversed with one another and counseled with one another. And Jehoshaphat said, we're sending the singers out this time, not the swordsmen. We're sending the singers and the musicians. We're sending them out. And it said they went forth and the singers and the praisers started going toward this multitude of enemy coming against them. They're no way going to win in the natural. And they started saying, praise the Lord for he is good. His mercy endures forever. And it says this, quote, when they began to sing, the Lord set ambushments against the enemy and they started killing each other and they, they wiped themselves out. Probably a million dead bodies and Israel went down, took them three days to get all the gold and silver and all the ammunition and all the weapons and they won a great victory and didn't lose one person, didn't have to lift one sword, just praised. But I thought it was interesting. It said the Lord didn't do anything until they started to sing praises. He didn't do anything when they prayed. That was setting up the victory, but the actual manifestation of victory didn't come until they started praising. Are we waiting on God or is he waiting on us? Come on, he was waiting on them to do something with their prayer and start acting like their prayer worked and like the word of God was true. It said, when they began to sing, this is 2 Chronicles 20, 22. When they began to sing, the Lord sent ambushments against the enemy. Yeah. I don't know exactly what that was, but something must have been confusing in their mind or a strife or allowed the enemy to, something happened, but they killed themselves, every last one of them. It said, Mount Seir came after uh, Moab and, and they started fighting each other. Then they all started fighting each other, even from the same country, and they all died. Israel won a great victory that day. And I think it's really cool to, to see how God worded it. When they began to sing, God sent ambushments. It's kind of like Paul and Silas in jail for preaching the gospel in Acts 16, right? They're in the innermost prison. Their feet are fast and soft. Their backs are bleeding. And it said at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises. And there was a great earthquake. Foundations of the prison were shaken. All the doors flew open. All the bands fell off. And every prisoner was set free. It didn't happen while they were praying. Praying set it up. Praying was the first step. But the manifestation occurred while they were singing praises. Yeah. I kind of like to put it like this. While we're praising God, we're receiving from God. That's good. We're not about to receive. 
We're not going to, while we're praising God, we are in the present tense receiving mode. And if you realize that's the case and that's the truth, how about we just open the valves full bore and worship him with everything we got and not worry about what we look like or sound like and just play before the Lord and worship him with all of our heart. Very important. You know, prayer is unfinished until you give praise and thanksgiving. Prayer is not finished until you give, until you give thanks. It's, it's unfinished prayer. Kind of like the two stories I just mentioned to you. Two Bible historical stories. It wasn't until they started praising that their prayers were manifested and answered. That's amazing. That is just so cool. I want Carla to come up now and I want you to read Psalm 100. And this is going to take us in a little bit of prayer tonight and a lot of praise tonight. We can't, we got to make sure that the prayer side is like, not like this and praise is like this. You know, we got to get this praise balanced out with our prayer. Yeah, I'm sorry. Should be on the red light. So she's got a a great Psalm here that she's going to read. Carry on. Good. Yeah, I actually might read two. They're both pretty short. But um, sometimes people, they're like, well, how do you, like when you're starting your devotion time in the morning and you're just kind of like, well, what do I do? Just say, well, praise God, praise God, praise God. Well, read the book of Psalms. I mean, they have some amazing, amazing uh, praises in there. So um, I'm going to have them put up Psalm 100. It might be a little different translation because they don't have the one I'm actually reading out of. I'm reading out of the NLV. But it's really good. It says, shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him, singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. And then real quick, let's just read one, uh, Psalm 145. This is another one I like to read in the mornings. So um, Psalm 145, and it'll start with verse 1 says, I will exalt you, my God and my King. I will praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share the story about your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. All of your works will thank you, Lord, and your faithful followers will praise you. They will speak of the glory of your kingdom. They will give examples of your power. They will tell about your mighty deeds. And one thing I like to do with these in the mornings in my own private time is I like to make these personal and say, I will do this and I will praise you for this and I will praise you for that and just make it personal. It's just a wonderful way to praise the Lord. You know, Carla likes translations and I do too. I do too. She, she likes some of the, the modern ones and they just explain things and really, 
even if you have to, just get a hold of a good praise and worship album and, and begin there. But then start singing a new song to the Lord, something that relates to you. You say, well, Pastor, I can't sing. Well, the Lord's not looking for perfect notes. He's looking for a heart that's friendly toward him, that's committed to him, that, that wants him more than anything. God's not going to judge your praise on your how well you sing. He's going to listen to your heart. And, and just reading Psalms like that, just making them personal, saying, Lord, oh Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Lord, your glory is far above the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Lord, you are amazing. You are wonderful. It's a powerful thing. And then specifically thanking him for things you prayed for. Sometimes it's a good idea to have a prayer book where you put your very important prayers in, things you specifically believe in for yourself, kind of like a vision list. And then when you're praising God, you can start praising God for hearing that prayer you prayed and answering that prayer you prayed. And one thing that helps me is when I'm praising God, I like to see myself with the answer already in manifestation. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the donate tab. 